0: Cannon Fodder and All Things Arsenal podcast. I'm Tim. I'm Fred. Oh man, what a game. Um 3-3 three, three draw with West Ham um at their at, at, at West Ham. Um yep. man, what a game.
1: <laughs> we have got to be the most fun team. You said it, the most fun team for neutrals to watch. We either shoot ourselves in the foot, don't show up from the first minute and dig ourselves a really deep hole to climb out of, or we are like scintillating and really good. It seems like our biggest enemy right now is ourselves, you know, like this is a point we can touch on later, but I don't feel like we have been outplayed or people have beat us. Although we have lost games. I don't feel like we've been outplayed besides playing against man city since boxing day, you know what I mean? Like yeah, we really, sure. you can, you can track down each result, negative result that is to some pretty individual errors or refereeing decisions or whatever it is, fatigue, injury, like we're our own worst enemy in this game. Definitely, definitely proved that. It's a yeah. Crazy game. Crazy game. Yeah.
0: So let's just start from the beginning. You know, the lineups come out and again, we've talked about this a bunch, N- you know, neither one of us are huge on exactly what the lineup is and how it's going to yeah. work out. But this one did raise some eyebrows. Um, You know, when I flipped the game on to start watching, I was definitely, I don't know if if concerned is the right word. I was a little bit perplexed because. Yeah, confused. You know, having Chambers come in, I was kind of 50 50 on that. You know, Mm -hmm. obviously had an incredible game. So, you know, kudos to Arteta for putting him in. Yep. You know, but, you know, I, I was just kind of thinking, okay, you know, West Ham are having a really good season. Does it make sense to put a player in who hasn't really played at all this season? He think he's played one other game for us, you know, yeah, and, against Burnley against Burnley. And you're just kind of like, okay, I mean, he was good at Burnley, but you know, he was okay. You know, like you're trying, I'm trying to figure out, okay, all right, let's just move on Move it on. Okay. And you see Louise and Mari. I don't like the Louise and Mari combination personally, Same. you know, and he, and he seems like he's kind of, I don't know what the problem was with Rob holding, but, he's kind of he's been out of
1: ever since he signed his contract. He's kind of not played that much. And I am confused as you are, because I think one thing to note about that center back pairing, um, is that David Louise has played a lot of minutes recently and usually over the course of his career, but also uh, since this, this season and his time at Arsenal in general, once he's got a, a big long run of games back to back and he's a bit fatigued that's when the mistakes come or that's when yeah. the sort of lethargic performances come so that was the biggest worry I thought we'd seen that holding and Mari partnership work really well in the past and I thought Arteta's rotated center backs a ton we don't have that like one solid pair yet maybe who knows it might just be Arteta's style to switch up center backs all the time but yeah I definitely thought that Louise inclusion um, next to Mari was an odd one
0: Yeah, it just seemed to me when I looked at it, I was like, "This is kind of a slow defense."
1: Yeah, slow and old, Uh, (laughs) ish. You know,
0: it. I, I didn't. I didn't love it. You know, and honestly, you know, you look at the rest of the team. Made sense to me, you know. Okay, cool. You know, I don't. I really, honestly, just for me, I know it's like kind of a weird debate in Arsenal stuff. I don't like seeing, Alba play out left when we have. Players who are just better at it, you know. Well, he
1: he started on the right. That was the well, that's, that's one of the saying. main talking points. Oh, is when, like he was exactly, on the right and soccer was on the left. The game started what? out.
0: Yeah, he started on the right, but when the lineups came out, nobody yeah, right. thought he was going to play on the right because so he's when never the, done when that. The games, yeah, you know, it, or it hasn't worked out. When it, right, when right. we have done that, well, I think we have done it a couple times this season. But yeah. when the when the teams came out and he was on the right and sako's was on the left, I was like. This just doesn't – this seems dumb. It seems like we're trying to force something here. And then, you know, the game starts. We don't start really on the front foot that well. And next thing you know, before 20 minutes have gone, we're 2-0 down. Yeah. Uh, And the first goal, the Jesse Lingard goal, it's a frustrating one because it is a great hit from him, mm -hmm. you know. Um, It's just one of those goals – when a player is in form and they got confidence and they take a shot and it's, it feels like they can't miss kind of thing.
1: Yeah, if you watch that one back, Chambers is a just a whisker away from blocking it when you yeah, watch you it know, back. It's he's just so a, close. It's just narrow yeah, margins. It's a good it's goal. It's just
0: one yeah. of the Yeah, it's just a good goal from them. Um, you yeah. know, cuz they were on the front foot. They were they were attacking our goal they, You know, I think before that they'd already had a couple little you know, dangerous moments in the game, we weren't ready for it, you know?
1: Yeah. We started so slow. Yeah. The first like 10 minutes are slow. I feel like they had 80% possession. I think I saw that stat somewhere. Yeah, 80 to 20. They were just dominating the ball and we just started slow. Yeah.
0: Yeah. We started slow. And then the way we concede, you know, basically two, three minutes later um, it's contentious, you know, with the way the free kick, you know, maybe should have been stopped or what was yeah. happening know, John Moss is over there about to stop. But for me, more than anything, it's the same problem. We didn't start the game with the mentality that you need to get ahead and stay ahead. You know, yeah. when, when you make a foul at the box, you know, around your box like that, for whatever reason, it's just what you do. You, you put a defender in front of the ball so yep. that they can't take a, kick. And if the, if the guy runs up and tries to do it, you step in front of him. And a lot of people think, you know, maybe you're being a or It's cynical or it's blah, blah, blah. But that's just what you do to prevent what happened to us. You know, they yeah. Take, everybody,
1: everybody does it in, you yeah. know, their own defensive third or if there's like a, a chance of a counter or any advantageous situation for the yeah, team that got stop. fouled. You, you just, just stop it. Even you just if you're being a dick sure about it, you it just can't. stop it.
0: Yeah. And, it, you yeah. know, and it's unfortunate. You know, Lingard runs up and, you know, he dinks the ball, Bowen runs on it. And I think the goal is lucky. You know, I think Leno yeah. doesn't do well with it. He sort of doesn't know what's, it happens super fast and he bobbles it at a near post, you know, it doesn't make a good save and it sneaks in and it's a frustrating goal to concede. Mm-hmm. Um, and I don't know. You just felt like it was going to be one of those days. And then it felt even worse, you know, like around the 30 minute mark when they, you know, put another, can goal I in. just
1: can I make one observation? That's really funny. That noise in the background is your washing machine spinning up. Yeah. It's almost like the pressure that was ratcheting up on Arsenal Jeez. in that first half after those two goals. It just kept building and building and building because that second goal is inexcusable and stupid to give away. Like you said, I, I have small complaints about it because John Moss has taken his little spray paint can thing out to set the wall, set where the, the foul is. And usually when refs do that, they they kind of don't, don't let you take a free kick. But you can have that that's about thirty percent of the issue. The real issue is that as soon as that foul's given, everybody's back is turned to the ball and people are complaining at the referee. Even Leno's back is turned to it. And the and the the other slight misfortune that Arsenal I think suffer there while I agree with you that Leno should have done a lot better with it is that it does take a slight deflection off of Pablo Mari and maybe Leno would have had it covered otherwise, but at the end of the day, it's, it's near post as a goalkeeper. You got to have your near post covered, especially on a a low shot like that. Maybe if they put it in the roof of the net, that's one thing, but you know, low shot like that, you gotta, even if it gets deflected, you got to kind of have your post covered. So super fresh, the the most frustrating way possible to start a game, Um, And the sort of narrative around this one, I feel like has been that we started so poorly and lethargically. And I totally agree with that. Um, And we didn't wake up till after we were three nil down, you know, on the 30th minute, just 10 minutes later, 10 or 12 minutes later. But we had chances, I think a, a few good bits of play um, before their third goal. And we were kind of back into it. So I had a very odd feeling about this game. I was kind of like, well, shit, this is just happening. Like West Ham are a good team and they're, they've been really good this season. They're in top form. Another important thing to point out is that we've played three games in the space of a week. They've played one, they had seven days rest leading up to this. We had Europa league in midweek. We had a really big, dramatic, exhausting win against Spurs last weekend. So we're a lot more tired, um, than they are. They, they, they came out Exactly as you would expect a good team to that's well managed, which they are. And that is just at our throats from the first whistle because they knew we'd be tired and they knew that we'd rotate and maybe be a bit disjointed. So kudos to West Ham, honestly, for the first 30 minutes of that game. I just don't like the narrative that Arsenal were total dog shit. We were under pressure, but we weren't under three nil worth of pressure if that makes sense you know like that's yeah. one of the major improvements the side has to make is when you're down when another team is on top of you putting the pressure on which it's football it happens you play teams better than you you play other good teams you you don't concede three goals one yeah two at a pinch you don't concede three goals in 30 minutes in the manner that we did um their third goal doesn't even bear talking about louise gets bodied really in the box Abemyang super lethargic we'll get onto his performance later but it was just super, super frustrating to watch it. And I texted you. I think you had probably already started your five-a-side game at that point. I texted yeah. you. I was like, I'm about to just turn this shit off. Like, I honestly worried for a second, like, yeah, we haven't played that poorly, but this is one of those unlucky, slow starts, just lapse in mental concentration from Arsenal type games. And this could get ugly. It could get really ugly. But we did respond yeah. really well after that third goal.
0: Yeah, we did. You know, we, and it's so dumb to say this because I feel like it's happened so many times this season, but, you know, I think the amount of desire that we showed to get back in the game and eventually draw that game is it's frustrating because you look at what it takes to get the team pumped up, you know, to get their hackles raised to actually win the game. But you know, we scored that first goal, which I think Lacazette is really unlucky to have it counted
1: as an own goal. Um, I think so too because it was a really good touch, touch and turn by him. I think.
0: Yeah, you know, and I don't know. I just think it's unlucky that they call it an own goal. After the game, when they do the post match interview, um, he didn't know it was an own goal. The the um, interviewer says like, you know, says something. He goes, "No, I think that this first was my goal." She goes, "No, they gave it as an own goal." And He goes, "Hmm, that's not nice." (laughs) Um, (laughs) I didn't know that's funny. You know, but yeah, you know, but again, Odegaard gets the ball. Pops out to Chambers, an absolutely great pass into Lacazette. Yeah. Um. I think, I think Lacazette does really well to control it. Um, the way he did because Chambers zipped that ball in. It had a yeah. lot of pace on it, and which I think oh, to yeah. a certain extent you gotta, you know, you gotta have something on there to get it in the way he did. Um. Right. You do, but Lacazette does well. Takes a little deflection, you know, off Suchek and goes in. Bam. Three one. Yeah first half's over yep um second half i think what's interesting to me about the second half is i feel like west ham and i don't know if this is 100 percent true but this is what i feel yeah west ham kind of sat off a little bit and tried to just soak up a little bit pressure they were they were just kind of you know we got three one we can hold on to this and see the game out kind of thing. You know, it kind of seemed yeah. like they sat off a little bit and we, I don't know, we came out, we had a way, way better, um, second half. I feel like we were pushed, you know, our, we were playing up higher on the pitch. We gave them no time to get out of the box. It didn't mean they didn't have chances to score, but, um, yeah. you know, I feel like we were playing on the front foot. We we're playing higher up on the pitch. Um, yeah. And it made it difficult for them to get any kind of control. And we dominated the second half. It was like a yeah. different team came out, you know? Yeah,
1: that's that's definitely true. And I, I think an important thing to point out too is while West Ham sat off, like they've been a very good team defensively. So they yeah. probably couldn't believe their luck. First off, that they were 3-0 up, or 3-1 up, excuse me, um, you know, going into halftime. They're like, all right, we, we don't really need to come out. We can just hit them on the counter. And that's the game plan that they tried to work out. But that's not to say that Arsenal didn't play well and that it kind of played into West Ham's plan, we dominated that game and we created a lot of chances and we're going to touch on them later, but Odegaard had an absolutely world-class performance. Yeah, he um, did. Y- you just can't take the ball off of him. It seems like it's it's wild and like I said, we'll talk about it later, but it's it seems like his... His presence in this team—he's he, running the team already, and he—he he just got here. It feels like, and that's so impressive for not only a 22-year-old, but for someone who's completely new to English football, the you know notoriously toughest league in the world, to just step in, and for just to take control of a game like this. Um, it was really, really great to see. Um, I think Thomas party had a massive, massive influence um, on the game in general. After that opening 30 minutes, after that opening 20, 25 minutes, maybe even. Um, he kept possession so well, kept us taking along. He was firing balls in between the lines into Odegaard. Those yeah. two f- just formed a really, really good partnership. That was one of our most common pass combinations. I think uh, party found Odegaard 19 times um, in dangerous positions, especially. So it, it really opened up a lot for us and it really had West Ham backpedaling.
0: Like, it's got to give a player like Partey, um, you know, who's played against um, Odegaard. Yeah. You know, when he yeah. was at, um, mm-hmm. um, and he knows the quality of that player because he's tried to take the ball off him plenty of times, you know? Yeah. yeah. And so it, it's got to give you a certain amount of confidence as a player like Partey who wants to get the ball in a deep area, turn, carry it forward, make a pass. You know, he tries to progress the ball forward really well, and he does a great yeah. job at it. But it's got to give you a lot of confidence when you can know if Odegaard has two guys around him, you can play the ball to feet and he will keep the ball that he'll do yeah. something with it. You know? Yeah. Cause it's like, yeah. we don't, you know, we don't have a lot of players who can do that. And to be fair to Lacazette, he did really well with that. This game, his passing, um, was fantastic. The way he was dropping in and, and getting the ball and helping us move things around was really good. He he had a really good chance. He almost set up, um, for soccer in the first half. Towards the end, yeah, that should have been
1: three two. I think you should have scored it.
0: You know, I just feel like our midfield starts clicking. We're playing higher up to pitch. There's a lot more drive. There's more energy. um, You know, and it's same. It's the same thing for uh, for our second goal. I think it's Odegaard who again who puts the ball out to Chambers, who whips it in, and it's a fantastic cross because it's so dangerous. Fabianski. He, he can't come out to it because it's in a too dangerous of an area. If he doesn't hold it or punch it super far away, he's toast. He's in dead man, you know, no man's land.
1: Yeah. Seriously. Alba
0: yeah. is running in on the back post. You know, if Craig Dawson doesn't get a touch on that, Alba's putting that in the net
1: just tapping it
0: in hundred yeah. percent, you know? Yeah. It's a really, really dangerous cross. Um, and you know, we force an own goal, you know, he, he smashes it in, you know, Craig Dawson smashes it in the back of his net and yeah, Chambers, you know, had had just had an incredible game, you know, the way he was able to he was popping up in midfield a little bit, the way he was getting up and down that line, the amount the crosses he's putting in, the way he was helping us retain possession because, you know, his first touch is great. His passing is good. Yeah. His technical ability was great. He had an absolutely fantastic game and he helped us control that right side.
1: Yeah, definitely. I think once, you know, like we mentioned at the beginning when we were talking about the lineup, Alabama starting on the right, Saka on the left. Yeah, we were we should, under yeah, so much pressure, but we, we in the first yeah half we
0: switched. They switched, it. they switched. Yeah, they switched After back the to goal. their
1: I guess more natural flanks, or at least the ones they've they've played in more so for us. Um, and like you said, Chambers, Saka, and Odegaard had a just really good combination play on that right hand side. Yeah. Um, and we've already got an attacking outlet down the left with Tierney and Alba over there, and it was really important for us to have another one. So it just allowed us to keep more pressure on West Ham. And like you said. Um, Chambers crossing was just amazing all game long. Great. His delivery was fantastic um, on this, on the first goal on this goal. Um, and it's a little misleading. I think if you just look at stats or maybe the score sheet and say, Oh, Arsenal had two own goals with that. Like the first one, Lacazette, like we said, is a little bit unlucky to not have that given to him. Yeah. The second one, We created a very, very dangerous circumstance that, like you said, if Craig Dawson doesn't at least get a foot on that, Alba's there to just tap it in. So it's almost guaranteed to be a goal either way. Um, So it's a bit misleading there. The reality is, is that we were knocking on the door. We were completely dominating a team that does not concede a lot of goals and does not concede a lot of possession and dangerous sort of attacking moments through their their midfield. Um they've got a really good midfield with Suček and Declan Rice, a really big physical kind of boss you around midfield and they usually let people have their flanks and they've got good center backs to clear out crosses and they defend, you know, really compact compact in a deep block. Um, but Odegaard and Party and Shaka to a lesser extent and our players out there, Saka coming inside, Lacazette, like you mentioned, dropping in and connecting, play really well. He I think Lacazette also it's not something we see from him super often. Um, stood up really well physically against a really physical West Ham team. Um, he's the fresher striker. You know, Abemian played midweek. Lacazette got the rest. Um, but you know, he he really shielded the ball well, held up the ball well, drew some good fouls, connected play well. Um, best performance from him in a long time. Yeah. Um, and at three two, you know, I just you're on the edge of your seat. There's so many opportunities that we had um, in that game, but all of the play. For the most part was Arsenals. All the chances for the most part were Arsenals. Um I think West Ham had the odd counterattack, which was very dangerous. It's 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 hard to forget. Um yeah, I mean, you know.
0: I think the way I was thinking about this is, you know, because a lot of people have been like, oh, you know, we could have won it. We could have won it, you know, the yeah. second half. <laughs> I mean, the reality is at you know, in the eightieth, eighty first minute, you know, right after um you know we we kind of made some subs around the 70th minute um and right right around the 80th minute um Shaka came off emil smith rowe came on yeah um pepe came on for saka and then around the 80th minute martinelli came on for uh alba which i think personally i would have probably done that one earlier i think Garbi should have come on you know around the 70th minute as well Yeah, alba um, had a shocker yeah yeah he just didn't have a great game he didn't seem like he was in it um So I I would have subbed him off earlier, but um, I'm not the manager. No one gives a fuck what I think. I do. uh, Well, thank you. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But again, it's Odegaard, right? Who pops that ball out to Pepe. And it's a, it's a double, it's a double goodie for me. I don't know if that makes sense. Um, explain the the (laughs) run that Pepe makes to get out wide is a really smart run because he kind of, he starts inside a little bit, then goes outside. And what happens is Odegaard has been absolutely tearing up their midfield and in and around their box. They can't get the ball off of him His passes are silky smooth, you know? So it, when Odegaard moves inside, um, you know closer to the uh, top of the 18 he starts moving kind of towards the left side of the box yeah when Pepe makes that run it kind of goes inside then he goes outside and it seems like Odegaard had went too far because yeah. Tierney
1: he overhit comes, the pass it looks like yeah
0: because yeah, Tierney is coming inside while Pepe's going outside and when Odegaard hits that pass I mean Pepe just has space dude
1: Yeah, I think it's the coolest thing I think about that goal is, you know, Pepe's on the right side as he crosses that ball in. Odegaard didn't give Pepe the opportunity to cut inside because Odegaard saw the space. was like, no, I'm pushing you towards the touchline. I'm playing the ball into space. That's where the space is. They've got the midfield clogged up where someone like Pepe, you got to imagine this is what he's done for us. And in his career, he's a very left foot dominant dominant player. He's going to want to get that ball two feet and cut it on the left, maybe have a shot, maybe a cross. We'll see. Uh, Odegaard forces him with that pass. He, he, I think Clive from the Arsenal Vision podcast says when he, he's watching players and watching the way they pass the ball and the intent with with it, with which they pass the ball, he says, like, your pass should have a message on it. You should be communicating something by which foot you play it to, whatever. Like, Odegaard sent the message to Pepe, no, go down the line, go to the touchline, cross that ball in with your right foot. And in fairness to Pepe, there's a peach of a cross, took out two or three defenders, and it was the easiest header in the world for for Lacazette.
0: Yeah, it was a great yeah, it was great. Um yeah. and and what was nice too is we've seen Lacazette miss headers from that close multiple yeah. times this season. Yeah. So to see him like three, I mean he kind of thumped that one in too. He didn't just sort of like dink it in. He you know, made a yeah. good connection, smashed it in the back of the net. Um and you're just like, "Okay, we did it. Come back." 3-3. Three, 3-3. Three. Three, three. Yeah. And then literally like I don't even know if it's a minute or two minutes later, you know, it's a few minutes later, <laughs> you know, Mikel Antonio freaking smashes one off the post.
1: Absolutely. I think that was earlier in the game. I think it was. I think it was Was it after, after the we, goal is it after, after we equalized
0: because it would have been the winning goal. Um,
1: really? No, I see. I think I do think that that one was before our equalizer, if I'm remembering so, correctly. Yeah, no, we can. I uh, might have to look up the highlights to determine it. I think it was before because I was like, ah, oh, we're we're doing all this. We're playing this great football, no, they making had, this comeback, they and they like, could have made it 4 2. They had, no,
0: I, I'm pretty sure it was after because they had really good, because they had that one chance where. Um,
1: Tyranny got his, the double block.
0: No, uh, no, the one that Chambers cleared. Um, ben Rama came in, and Lingard almost got in chambers made a little block Ben Rama kind of got it again. And, um, chambers snuck in around him and cleared it. They had some really good chances to score. That Michel Antonio one was a massive one. He absolutely, it, it's, a, it's insane. That's just a bad miss. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. But yeah. No, I mean, it
1: is definitely, I, and it, I mean, I guess it doesn't technically matter whether it was before or after, um, whatever minute was it, it was in. Oh yeah. No, it was, a. Uh, sorry. Um, not to be a stickler it was before <laughs> it was before the equalizer it was in the 76th minute equalizer was I, in the yeah I,
0: I doubt 80. that I think you're looking at the wrong uh <laughs> just wrong. watch the highlights <laughs> I think you're you're looking at the wrong game dude That's a different uh, game. you're looking at the
1: wrong game okay yeah no, was West Ham <laughs> Arsenal from like four years ago so Yaya Sanogo was playing for he's leading the line for for Arsenal um yeah I think it's R.I.P dude R.I.P uh, hey Yaya Sanogo still won more trophies than Harry Kane um but dude, it was an, it is an insanely frantic game. And as I guess we kind of wrap up the game discussion itself, it's easy to lose sight as fans, as fans that are kind of critical of the club. And I mean, we're making a podcast, so we're searching for things to talk about. It's so easy and it fits into our narrative this season to focus on the negative bits in the first 30 minutes. I think in reality, you know whether it was Arteta's game plan, uh, whether it was the lineup he chose, whether it was the players not being ready. It's football, and it happens. And there is definitely improvements to be made in the squad and the squad's mentality. And there is definitely room for this manager to grow. It's his first job. It's easy to forget that his first job at a very high level with a lot of pressure at a big club like Arsenal. I think we talked about it last week. You coined the term, maybe didn't coin it, but you you mentioned on this podcast the term that we're developing a real fuck you attitude. Um, we're actually scoring late goals We're we're coming from behind. We did it against Spurs. We did it here. Um, we technically kind of sort of did it against Benfica, um, in the Europa League in the round of 32. Like we're, we're developing a bit of spirit, a bit of fight back. And it's really, really nice to see. And there's just this missing puzzle piece of, we got to be on it more often. We have this as a club, as a team, we have the super high ceiling because we have talented players and good strikers and good this, that, and the other We have a high ceiling. We can play great football, but we have a very low floor. We have players that can chuck a ball in the back of the net. We have some players that maybe mentally sometimes aren't all the way there. And I think that's one of the biggest points I drew from this game is we just look like a team in transition, you know, like we're transitioning back to the top. That's what we're aiming for back to the top of the league, to the top of the premier league top four. You know what I mean? Like that's where we're aiming at. And that's what we're trying to get to. And It's a process and it's cliche, whatever, trust the process. But I mean, I I really see just a lot of positive signs, as many as there are negative. I feel like they can kind of be explained away a little bit more, but the attacking football that we played in this game, the way we dominated a team who does not concede a lot of chances and a lot of goals against the best teams, against Liverpool, against Man U, against Man City, we dominated them. We had them hemmed in, pinned in, us, the more tired team. And yeah, I, I think they in normal circumstances, there's a lot more positives to draw from this game than there are negatives. You know, there's this recurring narrative of Arsenal shooting themselves in the foot. So it's easy for us to talk about that. But man, we played so well. We had so many standout performances after that, um, after we went three nil down, you know. Um, Odegaard yeah. just had an insane game. So uh, yeah, I mean, I don't know if there's anyone else you wanted to highlight or anything else you wanted to say about the game itself.
0: No, you know, we, you know, we were gonna we we're gonna break down a little bit more of some of the finer points of certain um, players and the games that they had, and maybe the way it, it impacted some of the ways we played. So we're just gonna move on over and get yeah. into
1: the thick of it. Let's get into our uh, our second segment: the three talking points. Alrighty, righty. So first thing, and this is the first thing we talked about last week as well, after the North London Derby, because um, he had, a, you know, Aubameyang. That's basically what it is. He got dropped last week. Didn't make much of an impression in the Europa League midweek. Started this game, and I honestly think he had a, a nightmare performance. Um, you know, it's, it's often, like, we know that Aubameyang is not a high touch player. He's not a link player like Lacazette. He doesn't dribble people all that often. So it's not as if we're expecting him to be this amazing yeah, do-it-all center forward, but he has been better than he was yesterday. At least that's my read on things. So what do you think, Tim? Is this is he have a bad attitude? Is there something intangible, disinterested? There's accusations about that, like is there something going on behind the scenes that maybe we don't know about? What, what what's your read on the situation? What do you think Aubameyang's problem is right now? Is it confidence? A bad attitude? Because you look at West Ham's third goal in particular. Watch Aubameyang and the way he doesn't track back. The way he just kind of goes to sleep. It, it's 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 pathetic. It's bad. And on top of that, he didn't get into any really good goal scoring opportunities. And he kind of a lot of chances, a lot of moves we had and build up kind of died in yeah. his feet. So yeah, yeah. Aubameyang, like, what do you what do you think's going on there? Because it was a bad game, dude. I don't know. Yeah, um, it's a tough one.
0: It's a tough one because you can look at him and you can it's I don't know what to say you know yeah because he's one of those players where you know he he can he can just score goals he's From done it nothing. his whole career he, he, yeah. he can do it and you know he can do it and there was a lot of big question marks with him with the way you know his season has been going in general this year um but, you know then he pops up and you know gets a hat trick or you know scores a brace he does all he's just so good but yeah. this game to me I don't know what it was he just had a terrible game and it might just be that he might have just had a bad day might yeah. not have just woken up on it um and for me I just feel like it with the bound with it with the elbow one it's a difficult one because I feel like Arteta probably wanted to sub him out after the 20th minute. You yeah. Know what I mean, Arteta yeah. demands so much and expects so much from his team that he was probably pissed. He probably was like, all right, it's 35 minutes in, you know, we're three nil down. Alba's doing jack shit. I'm pissed. Yeah. If he could sub him off right then and had not been a huge talking point or pissed Alba off, I think he would have done it. Yeah. Um, and I think that's the – honestly, I think that's the biggest reason he stayed on the pitch as long as he did is more, you know, the off chance that he is dangerous and could do something. And, yeah. you know, they just don't want to turn it into some scenario. But, yeah, because there had already been
1: it. a huge scenario last weekend with him being late yeah. and getting dropped for disciplinary reasons. So yeah, I, it's a head scratcher, man. Like, but, it, what, there's What's a, also yeah. a head scratcher
0: to me, and I think this has affected the way that Alba played, is – I don't, I don't understand why Arteta started him off on the right and sock on the left. And it make any sense to me. I have Tactically, a theory. It Whenever didn't make any ready, sense theory. to
1: me. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, go ahead. Well, okay. So do you remember that Sokka chance? Um, late second half that he should have put away, picked the wrong corner. Uh, when That's he was first, first base or sorry, first half into yeah. the first half to potentially make it three, two in on goal. It's because Lacazette received the ball defeat and popped it around the corner real fast in that channel between the their left-sided center back and their yeah. left back, Aaron Cresswell. I think the original plan, and this is something Arteta referenced after the game, is like, oh, no, it made sense for, for Alba to be on the right side. We just didn't have the ball, so we couldn't execute our game plan because West Ham came out so hot and we started so slow. But you look at that chance, you look at someone like Aaron Cresswell, who I yeah. think is West Ham's... Um, leading assist maker he's got like seven or eight assists in the premier league which is a fantastic number for a fullback I think what Arteta originally thought was I'm gonna pin Aaron Cresswell back by putting Yang on his side and Alba just make runs in behind make runs in behind we're gonna get the ball to Odegaard he's gonna get the ball to Laka he's gonna pop it around the corner you run and that didn't happen because we didn't have the ball because we started so poorly so instantly I think that I could be totally wrong but I think Arteta's game plan is almost right out the window he's like oh shit we're Freaking two nil down. All right, switch back because right after that second goal, they switch back to Alba went to the left, Saka went to the right, and things kind of calmed yeah, but down. Yeah, for a little me,
0: bit. it's like, but for, but the the thing for me though is like, you could do that with Saka there, you could do that with Pepe there, you I agree. Could do that with someone who's more naturally playing on that side of the field, and they might do a better job than he would playing out of position.
1: I agree. Completely. I understand.
0: You know. Yeah. Because that's exactly what you want Pepe and Sokka to be doing right there anyway. You want that center forward, what Locke is doing, you know? What yeah, and then what do we just Smith say? Odo, you know? Yeah, what
1: do we just say? Like, Sokka did it. He didn't take his he chance, but he was in the position. He did exactly what I just said. So that's just me trying to, like, I don't know. No, that's me sure. trying to read into think, Arteta's motives, maybe, you know?
0: Yeah, but it just didn't make any sense to me. Because for me, I'm yeah. like, why? First of all, if you're going to start Sokka you know, I think he should be on the left-hand side or the or, sorry, the right-hand side, the, the yeah. way he's played there this season, you know. But, like, you got to put – if you're going to put Alba and you're not going to put him through the middle, he's got to play through the, on the left just because that's what he's been – that's where he's just been effective. So, But I think that affected the way he played because, you know, they sort of shut him out of the game. And yeah. when he did get the ball, you know, on the left and the right-hand side, he just didn't do anything with it.
1: Yeah, that's true. Um, and I, I think the, this is like a kind of ongoing debate and I actually have been, I've been commenting on a few things, talking with a few people on Twitter um, about it. And it's like Alba looks disinterested. And then someone might come back and say, well, what does disinterest look like? It's, that's an intangible thing. That's hard to like visibly see or quantify on the pitch. And I, I think it's, it's exemplified in his reaction or his lack of a reaction in the build up to their third goal. Albany I mean, just doesn't seem on his toes as much as he used to. He doesn't seem to be pouncing on opponents mistakes as much as he used to. He doesn't seem to be just like either defensively aware or even offensively aware as he was the past few seasons. And I think one thing I do want to say definitely is he's gone through some pretty hard things personally this year, his mom getting sick and missing a few games because of that. And in general, the world is a very odd and weird place right now. Um, but I want to have a little bit of slack for him, but at the same time, I don't think it would be the end of the world. I think it would probably be good for him and definitely for Arsenal if he sat out a few games and kind of had to earn his place back a little bit. Um, because if you look at our sort of like people have said this, it's been circulating, our three best performances of the season. You know, that's that's Chelsea at home, the three-one. That's uh, Leicester away, where we beat them three-one. And I can't remember another one that people have been referencing, but none of them, no Spurs, sorry. uh, This past weekend, none of them had Albemian in the starting lineup. Yeah. You know, they had, they had Lacazette leading the line. So I think one thing we can definitely say is it's either Alba or Lacazette center forward. And you, you form your team around that. You know, I understand Arteta not having access to William through injury and Smith Rowe apparently wasn't quite ready to start this game. They're being a bit cautious with him. So, I get the team selection to an extent. It just did not work out, and Alba's just in a real bad way. And I really hope he can shake it off soon. Um. So, all right, let's change gears into very positive mode because that's a little depressing because he's our, our our club captain and highest earner. And I think he will come good at the end of the season. I think he'll he'll turn things around mm-hmm. when we need him to. But Martin... At the end of the
0: season is coming up quick,
1: dude. Yeah, I know. We don't have that much time. But still, there's a lot to play for still. We're still going strong in the yeah, Europa League. You have a, sure. a favorable draw. Um, in the quarterfinals. I and mean, then, if we can get yeah. to the
0: the semifinal and the final of the Europa League and he scores a brace in each one, I'll be happy.
1: I mean, yes, <laughs> simply put I would do. Um, all right. So let's look at some positives. Martin Odegaard. We talked about this last week and we might even end up repeating ourselves to an extent, but it does not matter because he put in an absolutely Ridiculously good performance against yeah. West Ham. I want to great. read out some stats to you real quick because this is insane. I think before I read out the stats, Arteta said after the game in his post match interview when the team was trembling, when everyone around him was trembling, he was confident. He stood tall. He got us going. He kicked, he jump started this team when this team was dead and won its start. You know what I mean? Yeah. And he's 22 and he's brand new to the league, and that just speaks volumes to his mentality. He had 93% pass accuracy, just under a hundred touches. He had 16 penalty area entries. That's the most in the game. Nine crosses, most in the game. He won six duels, which is a side of his game that I don't think we necessarily expected, but he's he's fine with being physical. He runs around a lot. He ran over 11 kilometers, which is just a massive amount of ground to cover. He had five touches in the opponent box. He had four take-ons, the most, four chances created, most in the game. Three shots, two fouls, one, one shot on target. Monster fucking performance. Yeah. Talk about Odegaard. How important it is is it that we sign him? I pretty much asked you the same exact question last week after Tottenham because he was so good then too. But yeah. he is that good. And I want to sign him more than I think that's number one priority going into the summer. So yeah,
0: same. Um dude, he I think even in the first half you see his quality. But yeah, what to me, what is so important about the way he played. And there's something very, like, I want to say old school. And and honestly, I I'm, I'm kind of hesitant hesitant to even say this because I don't I don't want to keep comparing where Arsenal is to where they were at. But yeah, you know, like you remember, like, Cesc Fabregas used to like Fabregas used to just he would just carry the whole team forward. He would just decide this isn't good enough or we're not doing this shit, and he would just. Do it. You know what I yep. mean? Oh, yeah. You know, no, totally. You know, so, and, and that's really how this performance felt to me with Odegaard in the sense that, you know, we're 3 0 down. You look out there and you see some players kind of hanging their heads a little bit, yeah. bringing their hands. You see people pointing around trying to figure out who the fuck is the blame for this <laughs> 3 0 walloping. And he's got his head up, he's yep. doing the same stuff he's been doing. You know, he's getting in between the lines, he's passing, he's making it halfway impossible for them to get the ball off of him. Yep. You know? And then in the second half, he just takes it up a whole nother level. Yeah. He just decided that we're not losing this game. Yeah. And, you know, his his passing, his movement, his close control, his first touch, his vision, every aspect of his game, the way he was pressing, tracking back, um, you know, linking up with Partey. Everything he did in the, in the second half was incredible. And, and it to me, you know, I was talking to my buddy Nick about this and texting him about, you know, after the game, is that he ticks the box in every way for the type of player that we need in this team. Yeah. He's creative, pressing, hard-running, you know, incredibly technical midfield player player who's at the exact age that you Ugh. need him to be. Yeah. And my only worry about assigning him, which I do think it has to absolutely be the priority. Yeah. Um. Though my only worry is that, you know, he's playing so good that there's already people in Spain questioning Zidane for letting him go out on loan
1: because yeah. they're
0: having problems in their team a little bit. You know. Yeah. So it's one of those things for me where you just got to hope that the stories are true that you know he doesn't want to play for Zidane. They have a bad relationship. Zidane doesn't rate them or doesn't want them. You know, so you just gotta hope that Real are, and and, and Real Madrid are kind of in some financial problems with the massive wage bill they have and all the other stuff they have going on. So you just gotta hope that you know yeah. they need to sell to rebuild their squad. That's what I'm hoping. Yeah, that's you know, one of the main things is because you gotta look at like players yeah. like Ceballos. You gotta look at um, you know they have they have a bunch of random players out on loan, but you know you, hopefully they sell Ceballos to someone that's not us um <laughs> yep. and we buy odegaard and it's one of those things too where you know you the the kind of the way that arteta is talking about him you know the yeah. performance he's putting in um you absolutely you we got to sign him you know mm-hmm. we got to do what and i think there's a there's a chance that we get him back for a season long loan with an obligation to buy i think that's that That'd might be, be nice. more doable for us but i think we'll end up you know we'll probably pay all of his wages and we'll probably pay a pretty hefty loan fee probably like in the region of like 10 or 12 million but yeah um, i i think we we got to do what we got to do we have so many players we need to move on this summer that just aren't cutting it for us, either don't have the technical ability or the mentality to play for this club. When Odegaard is like the perfect player for us right now, we just got to make it happen. And if we don't we sign gotta, him yeah. or get him back, then I think it's a huge, huge failure on the club's, on the club's part. It'll and obviously be a huge that kind loss, of stuff yeah. is difficult. You know, that kind of stuff is difficult. There might be, you know, Real Madrid just might be like, Screw you! We're not doing it, and there's nothing you can do. You know, yeah, um, we're not going to go out and pay hundred million for him because we just don't have that kind of money. And I, I don't think he's a hundred million pound player. He doesn't have that kind. Not of Not in the current he, market, yeah. You know what I not mean? Not in the
1: current market, he's not. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think he has that quality, but I, he's almost like this weird, like football's best kept secret kind of player. You know what I mean? Because he's so obviously got so much quality, and he's done nothing but prove it. But for whatever random reason, Real Madrid haven't. Under Zidane, given him that much of an opportunity, one of my main hopes is that you know it's it's Real Madrid's style to to sign mega superstars, so you wouldn't be surprised if they go in for an Mbappe, as unlikely as that is, or a Erling Holland or someone like that. And they need they need to raise money to to fund that kind of a purchase. So, hey, if we can get forty five million for Odegaard from Arsenal, let's do it. You know that's my that's what I've got my fingers crossed for. I think it'll be a similar fee to what we paid to Thomas Partey if he's for sale. But yeah, but those are the
0: that's like the those are the rumors going around in Real Madrid is that you know Zidane from everything I'm reading over in Spain, Zidane is staying on as the Real Madrid coach for next season. You know they want him to carry on like the kind of rebuild the
1: project project
0: that they have going on, which he is bringing a lot of younger players through. But you got to look, they still got Tony Kroos there. Still got Modric, yeah, Cashimiro, um, you know Sergio Ramos is still there. Sergio Ramos is still there. You know they still have this core of players. And Luca Modric, you know he was a Spurs player, so there's a little bit of heat for me with him. But I've always thought he was an incredible player for El Madrid. But the fact that mm. he's like 35, 36 years old and he's still kind of Their bossing guy. around yeah. for them in midfield <laughs> is kind of insane. Yeah, so they obviously have some big you know, decisions to make in the next couple seasons. Yeah. So that's what makes it difficult for me. You know, they got to move a lot of players, a big players on and they want to bring in, they do want to sign Kylian Mbappe, you
1: know? Yeah. Or Erling Holland or someone like that. Some big marquee signing, you know, that's what Real Madrid do.
0: Yeah. You know, but if you, if you buy Mbappe, you know, you're going to spend 250 million. (laughs) Yeah. For sure. Yeah. You know, which is stupid. Yeah. You know, it's Wild. like, it, and they're going to have to sell so many players to buy some dickhead like that. So it's kind of like, you just got to hope that they're willing to help us out a little bit, which they're probably not. Cause they don't give a shit about us.
1: But yeah, I think the other thing you have to, to, to look at is our, Art, Arteta has tried his best gone out of his way. And it's not just, you know, he's not blowing smoke up Odegaard's butt, but he is, praising him at every opportunity, you know what I mean? He's making him feel special, and it's gotta feel good to Odegaard after coming from a club where he's not had that many chances to come to Arsenal thrown in right at the thick of it and to have good performances and to have some success. So my hope is that the player pushes for the transfer as well as Arsenal pushing for the transfer. Those two things together, I think could also sway Real Madrid's decision to be like, hey, listen Real Madrid, I wanna stay with Arsenal, they got a good project going on and I'm at the heart of it. I feel important and valued. And I'm like the freaking first name on the team sheet team sheet, because that's the kind of player he has been for us in, you know, yeah. two very short months is he's getting to that point where he's basically first name on the team wow. sheet at this point. It's kind of wild to say that because he's a low knee and because he's not been here long, but it's definitely true. Um, I think at this point, after that performance, after the Spurs performance, after his little cameo against Olympiakos, he came in and played so well. How he didn't get an assist in that Olympiakos game is beyond me. Um, so yeah, I mean, it sucks. It's scary. It's like you, you open yourself up to get hurt when you fall in love with a lone player. Um, but that's definitely what I have done. I think that's definitely what every Arsenal player has done. Looking at his stats, looking at his highlights, watching him play, it's like my God. If there's ever a match made in heaven, it's Odegaard and Arsenal. The way we want to play, the way we have played historically, and the way he tries to play, and the way he does play, my God, it's like. I, uh, yeah, I just hope it happens. Last yeah, point. Sure. We already kind of touched on it a little bit. Um, I think our right back situation is uh, really, really interesting, though. We talked about Chambers. Um, we talked about how good he has been this game. He was really good against Burnley. His delivery is fantastic. Do you think there's any chance that Callum Chambers solves our right back problem and we sell Hector Bellerin in the summer, keep on Cedric as a backup, and promote? Callum Chambers to right back or would you be okay with something like that happening do you need to see more of it um what's your uh sort of overall take on not only his performance to kind of sum that up even though we touched on it earlier but also like could he solve a big problem for us by sticking around and being going back to right back because that's what we signed him as a right back from Southampton so
0: I don't know um I mean I think he played great and I I think I think he is a great player and you know yeah. and I said this earlier in the season um you know when we were talking about how many, you know, quote-unquote center backs we had and how many we needed to get rid of, um, you know, and I said I would hold on to Chambers. Yeah, You know, if you had to sell one of holding or Chambers, I said I would sell holding um, yeah. just because I feel like Chambers is a more versatile player. He can play right back. He can play in midfield if you need him to. He can play um, center back. Honestly, I think if we played a back three, he's, for me, nailed on you know, the starter for the right side of, of that back three.
1: Yeah. Um, yeah.
0: And, you know, there's certain areas in his game, and he's still a you know, relatively young player. I think he's only 26, 25, 26.
1: Maybe um, not even that old, I don't think. You know, I was going to yeah, say 23, 24. I don't know. Yeah.
0: Yeah, I think he's 25. i look look it up. 26. Um, because we bought him when he was 16, and I think we bought him like at least eight years ago. He's
1: 26. You were right.
0: <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I mean, I don't think he solves the right back problem for us. Yeah. But I look at Cedric um, and I think he's been playing a lot better than Bellerman has lately. Oh, yeah. And so for me, it's a risky one because Cedric isn't exactly young. He's 30. <laughs> you know? Um, yeah. And he, you know, he does, he is quick. He's got a little bit of, you know, he, he's got to turn a pace on him and his. His passing is good. His
1: um better than we expected, I think.
0: Yeah, better than we expected. His final, his final ball, I think, is pretty good too. He's got a good cross on him. Oh yeah. Yeah. But um he's not he you know
1: he can't do it for 38 games a season. He can't. Yeah, there's no way he
0: can't, you know. And so for me, if somebody comes in knocking for Bellerin and they want to pay twenty million for him, twenty five million, you I think you have to sell him. 110%. You know we I'm on that money. train. <laughs> yeah, we well, it's like I think regardless of what anybody thinks about him as a person or as you know a player or how important he is as team, blah blah blah. We are a club and a team that needs to have turnover. We need to reinvest. Yeah. We have really need to rebuild. Yeah, important positions we need to change over and refill. And if you have Chambers, who can put a shift in it right back when he needs to, and he can do pretty good job or he can play center back if you absolutely need him to or yeah. He can or play in you know the middle of the park if you need somebody to you know think yeah. about like if if we do get into the champions league by winning europa league we gotta go to the group stages or we got the fa cup and the league cup and you got a million games to play he's somebody like ainsley mate niles you know it's that you kind of wish you had a better mentality because he's so athletic right. and he is decent yeah, you know he's got the ability to play in multiple positions to a high enough level to where you could put him in and he's gonna do a good job you know yeah so definitely. I think you got to keep him you got to hold on to him but i think I think you sell bellerin mm. and you get through next season with Cedric and chambers
1: um, i i think it's it, but i, don't I know think, think it solves the problem yeah i think i think, I think, that's I think it's that's still a weird stock way to gap. put it yeah, I, okay, yeah. I agree with that completely. It's a weird way to put it, saying that he solves the problem because, I mean, I think we could also do better than than him. Time will tell. He could be the best right back we've ever had. Doubt it. But I think there are other areas. If he can fill in at right back, he can play center back. Like you said, he can play DM. He had that player of the season, season on loan at Fulham t- two, three seasons ago, whatever that was. He's a player with a very high uh, technical level. I think a lot of people don't like to remember that as much as they like to remember, let's say, that right back performance he had back in like 2015, 2014, something like that, against Swansea, and Jefferson Montero ripped him a new one um, up and down that flank. That performance, more than with almost any other player that I can remember for Arsenal, has stuck with fans more than anything, when in reality, Callum Chambers is a really good footballer and a very um, diverse footballer. And I was, before we wrap up this convo about him, I want to shout out that chance he made for Lacazette. I think it was in the second half, where he... Chambers, it is cut inside about 40 35 yards from goal. He tells Lock, he knows exactly what he's doing. He tells Lacazette, make the run outside of the boot, chips it in over the back line, perfect through ball right to Lacazette that he lobs at the start of the second half that gets cleared off the line. I was like, okay, if you're right backs with the outside of his boot lofting in a perfect little through ball like that, okay, come on, son. Like that is great. He combines so well with um with Saka, with Pepe when Pepe came on with Odegaard, especially. And it just it made a really, really big difference um, in our buildup and our defending, all that kind of stuff. So I, I, I'm a big Callum Chambers fan after these two performances and just based on stuff he's done in the past as well. So, you know, one thing I think that's good
0: also about this conversation, and I think it leads into, you know, plenty of other things we're going to talk about for the rest of the season is that. Arteta is bringing players in who are either been injured or are on the fringe and he's getting performances out of them. Yeah. Um, you know established players who look like they're on the way out, he's getting performances from them. Yeah. And Chambers coming in and playing really well is creates a lot of questions for the manager and I think they're good questions because it lets him see okay here's somebody i can i can rely on to come in and do the damn thing yeah you know yeah and so seriously. hopefully you know hopefully it that causes a little bit of a stir you know i, I want to see this squad turn over in the summer i want to see some fresh blood in here yeah. as a drive to make something happen yep so yeah, yeah.
1: definitely i think that's I, I mentioned it earlier and i think it's worth saying again. As we progress as a club and as a team and as this project is taking more and more shape day by day, there is still a massive gap between this, this squad's ceiling and its floor. Our floor is so low. We can be so bad, but we can also be so good. And it's about finding consistency. You know, when you're not having your 8, 9 out of 10 performance to not have a 3 or a 4 out of 10 performance but to have your six or seven when you're having a quote off day, you know, that's what the big teams do. They don't play well, but they don't chuck the ball in their own net. They don't play well, but they don't not show up for the first 30 minutes of a game and find themselves three nil yeah. down. So there's, it's obvious the ways in which we need to improve. And it's obvious, I think the players we need to improve and it's a discussion for a different day. And, you know, maybe we'll do a podcast over the interlow where maybe we can talk about some, some squad churn that we think needs to happen. Stuff we'd like to see. Um, but yeah, no, I I think the project is still moving in the right direction. I think what I want is to go back and watch the highlights for this West Ham game and be excited that we showed the fight. We showed that fuck you mentality and we showed the quality to get back into a game that yes, we dug ourselves a hole and yes, we got the maximum punishment I'd say for our, our slow start. You know, that's not a three nil slow start. That's a one to two nil. You know what I mean? Um, regardless of how I feel about that slow start, but we fought back. And I love to see that. And I love to see Arteta and the players themselves kind of calling themselves out and calling that performance out for what it is. And it was, yeah, great that we came back, but dog shit that we started it the way that we did. So, you know, hopefully we just continue on. So long podcast, um, that happens when you have a game where there are six goals. Um, so apologies. Hopefully uh, you listen till the end. Um, thanks for listening. If you don't listen to the end, we still love you. If you do listen to the end, we love you more. Um, definitely more. It's um, debatable. Yeah, well, I do. Let's say I do. Um, but yeah, feel free guys, reach out, reach out to us on social media, email us at cannon fodder at gmail.com. Um, we'd love to start incorporating some listener questions in the second half of this. If they ever come in all 11 of you send in your questions. We'll see. We'll see what happens, but it's a two week break for Arsenal, a full two weeks off. I've got, a, I think, fifteen players out doing uh, international games, which is odd to say the least during a global pandemic, um, and pretty pointless and needless. But let's let's keep fingers crossed that everyone comes back <laughs> it's so uninjured. Bullshit, it's so dumb, dude. It's so dumb. They're playing so many games in such a short amount of time, as if the it's schedule it's it's bullshit. so condensed already, and they're about to go play three games. Are you kidding? Anyways, that's a whole nother conversation. Let's wrap it up, Tim. Um, unless you got anything else to say, I say we leave it there.
0: No, it's good. Hope, I, I would love to do a pod next week about the way some of our players are or just try to figure something out. But hell yeah, we probably won't. But if we do
1: <laughs> good on you, I, I, I mean, I could have a baby this time next week. Oh, yeah, um, true that. Like yeah, my dude, wife's do it have, any day now, <laughs> any basically. Minute, yeah. So we, we might we might do a
0: pod next week. Might just might just be old Uncle T.T. Uncle might Timmy be Uncle Tim. The- Timmy on the mic letting y'all know what's good
1: well uh yeah no you can you can get on and get Brooks on or some of one of our other uh absolutely not no get your um your Arsenal supporting friend that you've met at uh Aside. get him on
0: yeah I'll talk to Nick see if he wants to get on (laughs) yeah just invite
1: him over to your house see if y'all can record if uh if we have that kid and you know I'm out of commission for a little bit but anyways we love you guys um we'll talk to y'all maybe next week most likely two weeks after um but yeah we'll talk soon bye bye bye